everyone loves hearing a good story. Maybe that's why audio storytelling has become such a big thing. So many people have picked up the microphone to share their voices, opinions, and experiences with a wider audience. But it's more than just personal expression. Podcasting connects people, and it can work as a bridge for groups that are underserved by traditional media. I'm Kelsey Arnott, and you're listening to the Community Podcast Initiative. The goal of the CPI is to produce and promote podcasting as a way to amplify underrepresented voices through audio storytelling. This initiative is based out of Mount Royal University, which is located on Treaty 7 territory. The CPI is powered by Shaw. In this episode, we dive into the ethics of podcasting. Earlier this year, CPI co-director Brad Clark was part of a panel discussion with media instructors from across North America at the annual Broadcast Education Association Conference in Las Vegas. Brad recorded the discussion with a view to share it with CPI listeners. The panel considered a range of issues, Everything from the responsibility of podcast hosts to provide truthful information to using other people's work in your show. The discussion begins with the panelists introducing themselves. Thank you for uh, coming. This is Podcasting Ethics. Is it journalism, entertainment, or something else? Uh, this is going to be just sort of a, a conversation, free-flowing conversation. We have some prompts, some things that uh, we all teaching podcasting have come across in our classes and what we think students should be doing. So we'll be uh, talking about that. So uh, I'm Ben Bogardis, Quinnipiac University. I'm a journalism professor there. I teach the uh, podcasting course in addition to uh, television, newscast, producing, reporting, and basically uh, all things broadcast. And I've been teaching the podcasting course since uh, 2016, and I also teach the journalism ethics senior seminar there. So this is also sort of where the uh, idea for this panel came about. I'll talk more about that in a minute. But uh, go down the line, I guess. Hi, everybody. Good morning. Uh, Francisco Suarez from SUNY Spigo, uh, assistant professor of the communication studies department. Uh, and I teach podcasting. I have my uh, own podcast. And uh, it's a pleasure to be here, actually, and, and to discuss a very important topic, right, uh, in these crazy times of podcasting everywhere. Hi, I'm Lindsay Sherrill. Um, I am an assistant professor of business communication at the University of North Alabama. Uh, and most of my research has to do with podcasting, both from an industry standpoint and from a journalism studies and ethics standpoint. Hi, I'm Dennis Conway from Valdosta State in Georgia. I teach podcasting in my announcing class and media capstone. Hi, I'm Brad Clark. I'm from Mount Royal University in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. And uh, I, too, like uh, many of us on the panel, teach both ethics and a class in podcasting. And um, I've just been a, a real fan of, of audio most of my professional life. I'm a former CBC radio journalist and uh, just uh, really love the craft of podcasting and audio generally. All right, great. So why is this important, this topic? I mean, obviously, ethics always important, but... 
you know, it, it also comes down to podcasting is sort of a gray area. It's not truly journalism. You know, it ha obviously had its origins in radio. It evolved from that. But, you know, it's also entertainment. It's also public relations at times. So given that, you know, what ethical standards should apply? Should there be one set of standards or should there be multiple standards depending on the type of show? And also, you know, most podcasts, especially those created by students, are homemade. You know, they don't have a corporate or professional standards. They don't have producers, executive producers, news directors looking over their work. So, you know, how can we teach students to do things correctly from the start? And you know, as I said, I teach the Journals of Ethics seminar and podcasting, and these sort of combined uh, last year, last spring, when the Joe Rogan uh, problem came along where uh, he was heavily criticized for you know, bringing on some COVID skeptics onto his show and presenting their views unskeptically. And when I obviously talked about my journalism ethics class and then in the podcasting class, I was asking the students, you know, what do you, you know, what podcast do you listen to and why? And one of the students quotes, you know, I learned more in a three-minute Joe Rogan clip on YouTube than I do in an entire day at school. So again, they are, they, the students, the public is using podcasts as a source of information. So it sort of becomes incumbent upon podcasters to uh, make sure that the information they put out is something which is ethically correct. So that leads into the first um, you know, conversation topic I wanted to uh, talk about. It's, you know, what responsibilities do podcast hosts and producers have to their audience? You know, are they de facto journalists who have an ethical obligation for truthfulness and sharing, or at least respecting both sides of an issue? and at the very least not bring conspiracy theories onto their shows. So how do we make sure that journalists or podcasters follow a uh, sort of ethical guidelines similar to journalism when they're talking about uh, news issues? I would say that our students should have some quality sources for the information they're passing out. Uh, I don't know how, exactly how they would measure that. They might, what they might think is a quality source may not meet my standards, but uh, let's see what others think. I, I think, as with ethics generally, um, it can depend a little bit. I think it depends on who you are and, and what your background is, what your affiliation is. For students, I think it's, it's valuable to, to discuss it and be talking about it um, before they enter the field professionally. There isn't really a standard for, for podcasting the way they're are for um, other influencers, for example, or other media creators. Certainly, if you have a journalism background, I think you, you are beholden to some of the ethics that you um, typically uh, adhere to, um, given your, your affiliation with your organization, with the professional associations you're involved with. I think, I think there should be a commitment to truth and accuracy. Um, in, in any production, I think there should be a commitment to, to public service. We want to minimize harm. We want to make sure that in our messaging we aren't, um, we aren't creating harm. And if, if people are trading in misinformation or disinformation, I think there's a, a potential for that. And, and um, so I think those are, those are a couple of places where I would start the discussion with students related to ethics and podcasting. Um, I would add to that. Most of my, my research has to do with true crime podcasting. And so in true crime, you find kind of these two areas where one side is very strictly journalism and it's very clear that it's journalism and others that are just kind of people talking. Uh, and I think one of the first places to start that discussion is about being very clear about what kind of podcast you're making. Um, because I think audiences are 
are fairly savvy to it if, if you make that somewhat clear at the beginning, that this is journalism. And then if you are making journalism, then you have to talk about what those ethics mean. Um, and if it's a topic like true crime, you're not only dealing with getting the facts right, presenting um, accurate information, but you're also dealing with um, that you are trading in the worst things that ever happened to people. And you have to be sensitive to victims, to family members, to everyone who's been affected by those stories, and that has to undergird everything in your storytelling um, for those type of topics. I would say for me, again, uh, the beauty of digitalization is the fact that podcasting is a new mass media. It's a way that we communicate, right? Uh, do you have responsibility every time that you are in front of a mic? Yes, you do. Doesn't matter if you are a student, doesn't matter if you are a podcaster with years of experience, what you're going to say matter. And the truth is that only those podcasts who have certain value of ethic and be sure that you do your research and that you really are in tune with what you are saying are those the ones who survive. Is a lot of noise out there, a lot. So in order for you students or faculty to really be the discipline to understand that that power to be in front of a mic is important. It doesn't matter what you're going to be talking about or who are you going to be talking about, you have to do your research. You have to know that what you are saying matter. And podcasting have become not necessarily about quantities, about quality, right? It's not about having this huge audience. It's true that certain podcasts that have you know, thousands of millions of audience. It's about the quality of your audience. It's the people who are going to come to you every time because they know what you're putting out there have an ethic value, that you do your work. Uh, I think that for me is what I try to teach my students is that you have a responsibility every time that you are in front of a mic. And yes, it's very easy to spend half an hour talking and chit-chatting about things, uh, but the point is that if you, even if it's something has football or baseball or your podcast, you have to do your research. You have to understand what you'd be talking about in order for the audience to really identify, hmm, this is somebody who knows what he's talking about, I will go back. So the answer for me is it doesn't matter what type of podcast, you have a responsibility of ethic to your audience. And not only that, that's a trick to actually be a successful podcast. Yeah, and I think I come across that uh, too. I mean, it's not something the students, you know, maybe consciously put out wrong information or disinformation. They just don't realize the reach of the podcast. And like I said, if anyone in front of a microphone, you have a responsibility to your audience. And it's, a, it's really a, uh, something that the students should be thinking about from day one. You know, in the previous panel in this room, they talked about how the audience has to trust the podcaster. I thought that was a good word. I think that's why people tune in. They trust the person who's speaking. So, you know, the next you know, ethical topic that I come across a lot is, you know, I let the students choose their own podcast topics in my class. I think uh, we all do to some extent. But then it sort of inevitably becomes about them, them their friends, groups they're affiliated with. You know, they interview people that, from a journalistic standpoint, you know, ethically you would not interview friends and family, put them in your show necessarily. So is this a conflict? Is this something that, you know, you can, in podcasting, sort of get away with just because of the uh, more intimate nature of it and, you know, the, you can you know, do full disclosures? Or is this something we should encourage students to cover general interest topics to avoid problems like this? It's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So I asked it. 
Sometimes I think my students think a podcast is sitting around a bunch of microphones and talking to each other. And, and uh, um, so I do, I do struggle with this. In our, in our um, law and ethics classes, we, we, we talk about, you know, the, the issues in, in, you know, the potential conflict of interest when you're interviewing people you know or family or friends. Um, it is, with, with podcasting, it often is a bit of a trade-off with that intimacy. And I think there's lots of great podcasts out there where it's, it's not uncommon for the, 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 the journalist or the host to, to interview close people and close friends. And, and, and it's, it's been really successful. At the very least, I think you have to be incredibly transparent about it. Um, I once had a student who, who, um, who, who had proposed a radio documentary to me and the, the one she submitted was much different. And, but throughout the, throughout the piece, she never mentioned the last name of the person involved in the, the documentary. It was a, it was a country, in, country and Western music artist. And that's because the center of her piece what, had the same last name that she did and she didn't want me to find out. And, and so, um, you know, that kind of lack of transparency is, is, is really problematic. Um, but, but at the same time, I think you can, you can tell good stories if, if you're upfront about it. Um, in, in my ethics discussions with, with students, especially student journalists, I say transparency isn't a get-out-of-jail-free out of card. Um, it, you know, it has to be used judiciously. And, and at the very least, as they say, you've got to, you've got to tell people who, what the relationship is. Um, I, I also think it can be really fraught as well. Um, you know, interviewing family and friends uh, can really come back to, to haunt you in a way that you, you might not anticipate going in. It may seem easy, but when people hear what you've put together, it, it can, that's, I think it's another consideration to, to put in front of students as well. I like that you use the word intimacy because that is something that's different with podcasting. Those, and it's something that students have to be aware of, that when you create a podcast, if people like it, they develop very strong parasocial relationships with podcasters. Uh, and that is different than print journalism or watching someone on television. Um, and I think that that intimacy can get a little even more fraught yeah. when you do bring in those um, close relationships. Again, I think it is a transparency issue. Some of, I think back to some of the podcasts that I've loved the most, and a lot of them were the ones where there was a personal connection to a story, where someone said, I had to cover this because I couldn't stop thinking about it. Uh, when I think about what led me to even getting into podcasting, it's because of a story I covered at a newspaper 20 years ago that I can't stop thinking about, and it led me kind of down this rabbit hole. Um, so again, you gotta be careful got to be transparent. And if you are interviewing or using someone that you have that close personal relationship with, make sure it's not the only viewpoint, that you are bringing in another side of that someone else to back those up and to push back a little bit. And I think for me is, is uh, I love what you just say about you were the need to tell the story. I think good podcasting is about that need to tell a story. We all have a need to tell a story, whatever that story is. But the idea of, uh, if that need doesn't exist, for me, just we're just creating something that doesn't have the depthness that you need. But talking about the podcasting, and yes, that's the whole beauty of podcasting, is very informal, it's, 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 it's a more intimate process. 
but it's very important that you don't forget, for me, the three columns are extremely important. You are there to inform, to educate, and why not to entertain. So if you don't find a balance between those three things, for me, the podcast uh, lose value. Uh, you cannot be only an entertainer in the sense of not having some kind of depthness in what you're talking about. You can bring your friends, you can be your family, but you always need to have another point of view of what you're talking about. And I think we've had some examples of really high-profile podcasts that where the host got way too close and it really did affect the quality. Um, one of the biggest ones I can think of is the first episode of the Up and Vanished podcast with Payne Lindsay. Started, it was a murder in his hometown. His grandmother was involved. He talked to his sweet grandmother on the podcast. It was real cute. But then it became so much about his personal connections that the ethics completely went off the rails. And it it got kind of ugly towards the end of that podcast. Uh, another example was the Murdoch Murders podcast uh, a couple of years ago. Mandy Matney was the journalist covering that one. And it started pretty good. And then again, it became very, very personal. Uh, a lot of the comments uh, on the podcast, a lot of the discussion online about it, uh, kept going back to her fiance doing all her ads and talking about how she would be like, and now my brilliant fiance, and it was it was too much, and it cut so much of that credibility. I had some students who did a podcast called Dating Advice for Students. I know that sounds pretty dangerous, and uh, <laughs> they might get very autobiographical and possibly graphic or... Uh, Oh, I don't know, reveal some stuff about friends and family. But uh, it was in really good taste. Uh, I think these kids had been in therapy a lot, and they were almost doing it as if they were a therapist. And they gave good advice. Like, if you're a freshman in college, don't date. Find a good circle of friends. Uh, try to be successful in your work, you know, your studies. And, uh, you know, try to get comfortable. So, you know... It seemed like a dangerous spot, but they did very well. So sometimes things work out. I think sometimes too, um, you know, maybe maybe um, something related to dating. The stakes aren't all that high, and and um, you know that maybe that gets can be a bit of a dangerous game too. But but there are there are some some topics that are that are clearly um, where where. where different points of view aren't going to be so controversial and, and so challenging. And, and um, so, you know, what's happening in your fantasy pool, it, you know, may, maybe isn't, maybe isn't um, so, so uh, grievous that, that uh, you, you know, you need to worry about not talking to your, your buddies about that if, if, if that's a format. Um, and, 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 and of course, you've got a, you know, a real spectrum of, of, where where that might land but i think i think especially if your your uh rationale for doing a podcast is your background in journalism i i i think in in that instance i think you have a higher threshold for for addressing things in from a journalism ethics point of view than 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 people who have come to podcasting from other fields and and um, I, I I still think that that it would be really useful to to have um, as as I think we sort of started out with um, some kind of no, some kind of no, notional code for for all podcasters to consider um, the way TikTok influencers do, for example. 
um, you know, you have to be very clear if if you're uh, if you if you're being paid to promote something on a lot of social media, you need to to, to do that. And and um, I haven't encountered or seen a lot of that in podcasting. There is some of it, but but um, but I just think broadly we could we could um, maybe as a, a um, an area of media creativity come up with with um, some 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 guidelines like everybody else has that related to the to the field, whether you're filmmakers or or, or broadcast journalists or whatever. So this uh, actually sort of deals with the uh, research of one of our panels directly, but the idea of original research versus taking someone else's work and talking about it, especially in true crime. So where do we draw the line between conducting original research and reporting and podcasts and talking about other people's work? So true crime especially, you know, often just, you know, doesn't fact check, doesn't look at other, uh, you know, sources done through their own uh, original research. So how can this be considered ethical? So. <laughs> you want to start with that? I took a big breath there. I'm thinking. Yeah. <laughs> But I think for what I recommend to my students where, and especially talking about uh, true crime podcasts, when you're using the work of somebody else, the least that you can do as an ethical thing is to actually try to contact that person and say, I'm going to be using some of your material in my podcast. Not only is it ethically correct, but it's also allow you to really create a networking with that person, and that person also could say, sure, and actually tag me in and be sure that you put my tag, my Instagram account. I think when you really are basing an episode of a podcast with a heavy weight on somebody else's work, the least that you should do is to contact that person. That is uh, one of the things that I recommend. It's not always easy to contact the person to get the permission to the person to use it, but at least you should try. Acknowledging sources up front right. should be a minimum. Um, absolutely. I've seen um, quite a few podcasts that I think do a pretty good job who up front will mention their sources. They will say, like, these are the ones that we actually interviewed and talked to versus these are the ones that we read um, or found elsewhere. And then they'll have accompanying, an accompanying web page or a description that actually links to everything so that if you're interested as a listener, you can do a little of that fact-checking yourself. Uh, I think that's a bare minimum um, with this. Of course, a lot of podcasters are also amateurs, and so if you start talking about doing your own investigations, that's a whole other minefield as well, especially if you're talking true crime um, and ongoing investigations. There have been some pretty ugly examples of, of podcasters getting it over their head there too. Again, not having that journalism training. So if they're interested in that, we've got to cover the journalism up front. And I think it is our responsibility as a professor, if you're teaching podcasting, is to teach those values. Meaning, just because you have a mic in front of you, that doesn't mean give you the right to talk whatever you want or, or without having a process of uh, real research and pre-production of your show. That is where you create quality. And that's where people are going to start following you. So yes, it is not only just sit down in a table and you know turn on a mic and speak, it's about month of, of process to really record one episode. That is how it should be uh, 
having that conscious mind that this is not about me talking about a specific crime or sports or entertainment, is do I do my research? Again, we go back to the responsibility of really knowing what you're talking about. Do I want to interview somebody? Is that person the right person to interview for this episode? I mean, it's a whole process, so I think it is important to let students always know that, yes, you can be a podcaster, you can have a great voice, you can be super funny and, and fun in the mic, but you have to put the work, which is that each episode needs to be well-produced, and that means a lot of pre-production before you record. And recognizing, again, that, that parasocial point, that even regardless of the quality of what you actually put out, so, certain people are going to think of you as an expert just for the fact that they are hearing your voice, and that is a huge amount of responsibility. True. I agree with all of that. Uh, use informed quality sources. There's some. There's some. There's been some interesting, um, sort of more true crime podcasts that have come out in the last while, that that um, have kind of had a journal come from more of a journalistic tradition, and and I and I think I think the journalists have tried to walk the line a little bit. And one example would be uh, Dead End. Um, which was about the the death of um, powerful politician in New Jersey um, that was done by a, a WNYC journalist Nancy Solomon, and and uh, she was actually on a, an episode of On the Media talking about her challenges in in putting that together, and she referenced the the term red herring, which apparently I don't listen to a lot of true crime podcasts, but. Um, but, but where you may, as a storyteller, take people down a certain direction when you know that's, that's going to prove to be a, a red herring or a dead end. And, and um, I thought, I listened to that series and I thought it was pretty well handled and, and really interesting and informative. Also really balanced against the sensationalism of a difficult case as well. But I don't know how many people have listened to The Coldest Case in Laramie, uh, Serial's latest one. Mm -hmm. And I'm not convinced that that one did navigated the ethics of that quite as well in some respects. I kind of felt like there were there were some directions and surprises that that um, you didn't really get till towards the end of the series. I don't want to go into detail in case you haven't listened to it. I don't want to I don't want to spoil it. But uh, but but in any case, um, you know. I think that's different from some of the other true crime podcasts, but I think if, again, if you've got your foot in the world of journalism, I think that's where you need to, to start thinking about how you're going to produce your podcast. And I think that's um, important for students cons to consider if, if they're looking at podcasting. What, what, where are they going to come at their podcast from? One of the techniques that is made me think of when you mentioned serial that I personally really love as a former journalist when I listen to podcasts is the journalist who actually talk about doing journalism throughout the podcast. It was one of the things that was so successful in serial for all the many fraught things I could, I could talk about problems with serial all day. Um, <laughs> but one of the things that they did is there was so much transparency around the process. What was the reporter thinking at the time? How did they go look for this clue, what rabbit trails did they go down? And that transparency, not only was it interesting storytelling, it, it also kind of helped you see how they got from A to B. And I love that as a technique. Yeah, and I think, I think we've seen that quite a bit in the last five years in journalism generally, more of that exposing 
uh, audiences to the backstage, and and uh, it's it's part of transparency, and I think it's it's really valuable, and and it also made for some fantastic satire when on Saturday Night Live they they spoof cereal with the the Christmas yes. episode, um, which was just brilliant. Um, Sarah yeah. Keenig discussing discussing uh, how how uh, this this magical elf supposedly shows up every Christmas Eve. It was it was it's a really great take. And I think when we talk about experience with the students, it's, it's problematic. It's problematic for everybody because I think when they're doing the research, uh, the internet is so full of many different not true facts. <laughs> so the problem is that I'm going to an example. Some of my students were doing a podcast. They were interviewing this uh, kind of uh, celebrity in football, and, and they went and they took basically the first thing that they found on the internet, that he was born let's say, in Jamaica. And when they were doing the interview, he said, I wasn't born in Jamaica. <laughs> or it was like three or four things that they say that he has to correct them and say, that's, that's not an actual fact. Like, I don't play that position, I play this position. So that is an issue, it's a problem, because again, you cannot go and just click Google one person and take the first thing that is there. Uh, because that's not necessarily true, unfortunately, right? It should be, but it's not. So um, it is very important that you double check the facts that you're going to be using during your podcast. That was a discussion of podcast ethics from the Broadcast Education Association Conference in Las Vegas featuring Ben Bogardis from Quinpiac University, Lindsay Sherrill from the University of North Alabama, Francisco Suarez from State University of New York Oswego, Dennis Conway of Valdosta State University, and CPI co-director Brad Clark. The Community Podcast Initiative at Mount Royal University focuses on audio storytelling as a way to better include underrepresented voices. The CPI is powered by Shaw. You can learn more and listen to all our shows at thepodcaststudio.ca or find us on social media at communitypodyyc.